We are in this series called Creed. Creed means belief, and it's all about what we believe in. Now, it doesn't have everything we believe um, because the Creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed, is, is, a, is a set of statements that really is sort of the framework of our Christian belief. Now, this, uh, this Apostles' Creed is not something that was written by the apostles. It wasn't something um, that... Uh, that, you know, that they created, but it was something that was created based upon the teachings of the apostles. And uh, many times people would uh, say some of these statements in the early church as they were being baptized. And so there's something unifying when a group of believers uh, come together and they, um, they make a statement um, of that. And so when, when we have something like the Apostles' Creed, it helps us to understand the basic fundamentals of Christianity. And because when we don't do that, we can second guess ourselves. You know, in this, in this world and in this culture, we get challenged. Our faith, our belief system gets challenged time and time again. And, and so if we don't know how to defend that, if we don't believe in it, not know it, but believe it, um, then, um, then other things can be questioned. For example, there, there are people who, uh, they, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but they question creation. They question the virgin's birth. They question the resurrection of Jesus. And if you question those kinds of things, if those things are on the table, so are things like sexual immorality, baptism, and the life of the unborn, as we saw this week by the awful law that was passed in New York. Being able to abort a child all the way until right before they're born. Um, God help us. God help us. Um, so when things are second-guessed, when this world punches us and punches us and challenges us time and time again, and I believe our students, our youth, are in a time that it's happening more and more and they're getting beat up. And so we gotta do everything we can to make sure that they understand our faith. And so this creed, this Apostles' Creed does not stand on its own. This Apostles' Creed is, is from the Bible, it's from God's word. And so as we are going into the Apostles' Creed, uh, we're gonna have the Apostles' Creed up on the screens. And so here's what I would like for us to do. I would like for us, and we did this last week, and we're gonna do it every week, so I want everyone to stand, and we're, if you're able to stand, and we're going to read this Apostles' Creed, okay? Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
You guys have a seat. Now, there's nothing special about that sort of statement that's going to uh, totally transform your life. Just by saying that, it's not some sort of incantation, okay? Uh, some sort of spell, all right, we don't, we, don't, we don't believe in any of that. It's, a, it, it's something that, that we've got to be able to believe. And, and knowing that, that um, God is Father Almighty and that Jesus is his son, his Lord, and he was dead, you know, died and was buried and rose again and all of these things, knowing that and believing are two very different things. Because when you believe in something, you will fight for it. When you believe in something, you will fight for it. Some of you believe, and, and I have my sports teams as well. You, you have your sports teams. You, you believe in it, right? You're like, yes, I believe. You know, you may have not even ever been to one of their live games. You've only seen them on TV, you know, but you believe in it, and you'll fight for it, and you'll defend your team, and all that stuff, and you'll do whatever it takes. Well, same with things like our marriage. If we believe in our marriage, not know that we're married, Knowing we're married is different than believing in our marriage. When we believe in our marriage, we're going to fight for it. When we believe in our kids, we're going to fight for them. We're going to do everything we can to fight for them. When we believe in ourselves, we're going to do everything we can to take care of ourselves. When we believe in ourselves. So if you're not fighting for what you believe, then you're not in the fight. If you're not fighting for what you believe, you are not in the fight. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you are what you believe. You are what you believe. What do you believe? Not no, not no, because belief leads to an action. Knowing doesn't. Belief leads to an action. We talked about last week how the heart of the Father is. We, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. So, so when, we, when we try to go to God the Father, some people have issues with that because they didn't really have a great heavenly Father on this earth. And so they're like, how can I worship a God? How can I serve a God? How can I pray to a God? How can I approach a God when I can never approach my earthly Father? I get that. I understand but we've got to put some of that aside, work through that, and just go as much as we can before God the Father. Because God the Heavenly Father is good. He has an amazing heart. He is approachable. We talked about that last week. He will, uh, you will never have to earn his love. He already proved that. He sent his son Jesus before you were ever born. Isn't that amazing? Sent Jesus, his one and only son, and cursed him with sin, your sin, before you were ever born and before you even com ever committed them. You will never have to earn his love. You can never lose his love. You can't lose it because you can't earn it. So if you can't earn his love, you can't lose it. You, nothing can separate that, and his timing is perfect. There's just, just some of the attributes we talked about last week. You can look at, listen to the rest on, uh, on our website, lakepornoonline.com under messages, but he's got such great attributes. Today, we're gonna to talk a little bit about Jesus and what it means to believe in him, how you can relate to him. You know, it's so easy to think about, to think about Jesus as being this, this, uh, this man, God, figure, 
kind of person who was, who was good and he died for us and everything, but he was in the Bible and he's long, long time ago, thousands of years ago, and it's like, what, how, how can he relate to me now? I mean, what does Jesus mean to me now? What does Jesus look like to you now? Well, I, I got a little quick video. Let me watch this video and it kind of gives a little bit of example. I like of to picture Jesus, Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo uh, t-shirt. So we have, so that's sort of, you know, you know, this world, they picture Jesus as some sort of whatever they want, whatever they want. They picture Jesus as whatever they want. My Jesus, my Jesus. But we have an example of Christ through God's word. We have an example of Christ through what God has done and how God displays his power and might. Jesus is not just a, 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 a historical figure. He's not like George Washington, okay? I mean, I believe in George Washington. I believe he existed. I know that George Washington, but, but I don't, I mean, that's all I know. I mean, there was some story about a cherry tree and that kind of stuff, and that's great. But Jesus is more than just a historical figure, he is someone that we can live for and that we can worship. So Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, he says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? So Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say I am? He's asking you the same thing. Who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? Hey, Lake Point Church, what about you? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? How do you believe in him? Not know. How do you believe in him? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You know, there's lots of, lots of things, ways we can, we can see Christ. You know, Jesus is, is, is portrayed in, in scripture as a lion, also as a, as a lamb, and as a savior, and a son of God. But he's also pictured as a good shepherd. And so, to help you believe in, in what Jesus is and how to look at Jesus, I want you to look at Jesus like a shepherd. Now, how many shepherds do we have in, in, the, in the house today? We have any shepherds? Yeah, I don't, I've never met a shepherd. I'm sure some of you have, okay? So, shepherd is something, well, I can't relate to a shepherd, you know? I, I don't know a shepherd, and uh, I wouldn't even, you know, know one if I, if I know, know it if I saw one. And so we're going to talk through that and what are some attributes of that. But in Psalm 103, 
100, verse 3, it says this, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. His pasture, this life, this earth. We learned at Christmas time, the constructing Christmas, that Jesus is their creation, spoke creation. He, he controls creation. We saw that as he was here on earth, calming the storms and those kinds of things. And so he was there at creation. And so this is his pasture. You and I are on his pasture. He is our shepherd and we are sheep. We need to look at ourselves as sheep. So if you believe in Jesus, you will allow him to be your shepherd. So what I wanna do is I'm gonna look at, our, our main text for today is gonna be Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And we're just gonna read just a few verses and this is the Lord is my shepherd passage. You have probably have read this before or heard of this before, but we're gonna look at this passage and we're gonna, we're gonna uh, dissect it a little bit to see how Jesus is our shepherd. Now understand, this is written by King David who was alive uh, long before Jesus came into the world, but obviously Jesus was the descendant of David. And so David is actually writing through the Spirit of God as the Spirit was upon him, and he was actually writing these passages about Jesus. It says this in verse one through three, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. If Jesus isn't your shepherd, here's what you do. I lack things. Some things are missing in my life. So when things are missing in my life, I man up and I take care of it and I go get it and I'll take care of myself. And if I want money, I'll go get another job. I get a higher paying job. If I want a family, I'll just go out and, you know, make that happen. You know, this world, everyone lacks something. There's always something missing in, in someone's life, okay? And so those people who don't accept Christ when Jesus is their shepherd, they treat it like, hey, I'm lacking something and I'm just gonna take care of it. Whereas someone who is a sheep of the great shepherd, Jesus, they're going to say, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Why? Not because of me. Because of Christ. Because of Jesus. He makes me lie down in green pasture. You know, there are times in your life where, 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 where God, will just, God will just make you lie down, make you just, just be still. And it's important because it's those times where we need to be refueled. We need to be refreshed. It says in that passage, he refreshes my soul. He restores me. And he leads me. You know, shepherds never, never drive sheep. Cowboys drive cattle, 
But shepherds lead sheep. Sheep follow shepherds. They're not driven by shepherds. That's a bad shepherd. (laughs) So shepherds lead their sheep. Jesus just wants to lead you. He's not driving you. He's not back there with the whip. I know there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus turned over the turntables and, you know, and had a whip and was throwing people out, you know. He was mad because of what was happening in his temple, in his house. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, he is not driving you. He wants to lead you. He's like, come on, come, just come on. I'm, I'm going, oh, don't go that way. Come this way, come this way. Because I know where your life is going. I created you, I knew you in the womb. I created you. And so just follow me. So Jesus, is a, Jesus leads us, he makes us to lie down, he refreshes us, he leads us. In verse four through five, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, death is one of the things that people fear the most. I went to two funerals this week. Two funerals this week, one by a a man in this community who was an incredible, amazing man of God. I I don't know how many people came to his funeral, but it was probably upward of over a thousand. Amazing man. And I I went to to another visitation of a a young, young man who took his life. Um... And it, it was ultimately sad. And so we all face death. We, um, it's one of the things that we fear the most. You say, well, I'm afraid of snakes. Well, you're not really, you're afraid that the snake is gonna bite you and you're gonna die. I'm afraid of heights. Well, you're afraid of heights because you're gonna fall and die. You know, we're, 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 afraid, of, we're afraid of death. But Jesus took the ultimate sting of death away by conquering it on the cross and with his resurrection. So when it talks about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You may say, well, a rod and staff, how can that comfort me? You know, if you want to comfort me, you know, give me some comfort food or, you know, just... Give, give, me what I, give me what I want or whatever. Some of you think this, and, and I know a lot of people think this as I've talked with people. You think that Jesus is there with the shepherd and you think the rod and staff is there for you to pop you on the head, to hit you with. Now, maybe there to, the hook is there to kind of help you not to fall off a cliff because sheep will do that. Sheep are dumb. They'll walk right off a cliff. So a shepherd just needs to watch them. That's why there's a hook. 
all right? And remove them from evil and, 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 and danger. But some people think that Jesus is there to beat them with the staff and the rod. How could the staff and rod comfort me as he's there to beat you? Listen, the staff and rod is not there to beat you. The staff and rod is there to beat the wolves. Every shepherd has to face other animals out there. Pray who would love some lamb chops for dinner. And so that shepherd is there beating and protecting you and beating the wolves, the bears, the lions, whatever it is. Doing everything you can to be. So, so stop thinking that the rod and the staff is for you. You know, the only thing that God hit, the only person that God hit that we know of, he hit his own son, Jesus, with all the sins of the world, your sin, so you wouldn't have to live eternity in hell, that there's another way. Jesus is the way. God laid, God hit the sins of the world upon Christ. And just know this, you know, the, the wolves in our life, they're not afraid of you. They're not afraid of us. They're afraid of the shepherd. That's why it's important to be close to the shepherd. When that, in, in those verses, it talks about, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, wh- why, would, why would God sort of have this illustration, you, you prepare a table before me in, my, in the presence of my enemies. God is not afraid of your enemies. God is not afraid of your enemies. And he will honor you in the presence of the enemies. He will honor you. You don't have to do anything. You don't set that table, right? You don't have to lift yourself up in the presence of your enemies. You know, that's kind of what we naturally want to do, right? They're like, you have people that are against you, like, oh yeah, well, I got a promotion. Or, you know, I got this, or, or this great thing's happening in my life. I mean, that's what Facebook is for, right? Jesus is saying, this pastor is saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare the table, not us. God wants to, God wants to lift you up as you honor him, as you walk with him, as he is your shepherd. God wants to lift you up and honor you in the presence of your enemies. So stop trying to, stop trying to defend yourself and, and to protect your name. Let God protect your name. There have been times in my life, Suzanne and I have had conversations, even in ministry, where I feel like, I just feel like, I feel like my name is just being drug in the mud. I feel like I need to protect my name. Just say, don't, don't protect your name. That's not your job. It's God's job. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You don't worry about that. Let God prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. You know, oil in the Bible represents refreshing. It, it represents strength. It represents healing. And, and um, the Holy Spirit is, is, is often referred to as, as an anointing oil because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's, you know, it's part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, what the, 
the Holy Spirit provides peace, provides comfort in times. You know, both of the funerals I went to this week, um, both families, believers. I, I, I was never at a place where I felt like they didn't understand who they could go to for ultimate strength and peace. They knew. In fact, I, I told both families, it's like, can you imagine if you didn't know Jesus? They're like, I would be lost. I would be in utter despair, even though they're in great sadness. But it's so much better walking in sadness with Jesus than walking in sadness alone. And so the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, to pour over us like an anointing oil. If you're ever in a place where you're, you're just uptight, you're anxious, you're upset, you're, you're aggravated, you're, you're just sad, whatever it is, just talk to the Holy Spirit. Do you know you could talk to the Holy Spirit? You could talk to God, the Father, you could talk to Jesus, and you could talk to the Holy Spirit. We're gonna get to the Holy Spirit as we march on down this, but you could talk to the Holy Spirit. There are some times, actually many times, when I'm in my prayer and I say, Holy Spirit, I need you to just pour over me. You gotta try it sometime. Holy Spirit is, is part of the Trinity that most people just, they're like, well, it's kind of freaky, you know, the Holy Ghost, and don't really know, you know? Try it. Ask the Holy Spirit to pour over you oil running all over your head. Just pour over you peace, comfort, wisdom, all of that stuff. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Jesus said, I'm going, I go away, but I send what? A comforter. I send a helper. And so he anoints my head with oil. And the last, verse six. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we saw in the first passage of, this, of, of Psalm 23, he provides. We saw in the second part of this, he, he protects like a shepherd. And this last one, he promises. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about heaven. It's interesting, this uh, uh, one key word in this passage. Surely goodness and love will follow me. Do you know if you, the original Greek of that word follow, it can actually best be translated as chase chase you. Goodness and mercy will chase you. Isn't that cool? Some people think God is chasing you with the rod and the staff and God's after you and he just, whatever. He's mad at you. No. Who chases you? Goodness and mercy chase you. You know, the, the, the bad things that happen in your life is just simple Natural laws, natural spiritual laws set in motion. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> when our kids were little, you know, they, uh, they would each kind of have their own sort of gutsy move when, they're, when they were a child. You know, when, when you're a little toddler and you're just 
just barely walking and, and you're, you're able to get on top of things and then you're, you, you, you see your child on the edge of, of, of something, you know? And then um, whether it be like a, a wall going off, you know, into the, uh, you know, eight feet drop into the yard or, or whatever it is or on a swing set or, or monkey bars and, and they're standing on top of the monkey bars and they say, hey, dad, and they just jump, you ever had that happen? <laughs> I've had that happen. And I'm like, I drop everything <laughs> and I catch them. And I've caught them all. Thank you, Jesus. But what brought them down? Gravity, natural law. Who caught them? Their father. When you do bad things, when you make bad choices, The consequences are just natural, like the law of gravity. But who's there to chase you, to chase and run, drop drop everything and come to you and catch you? God the Father, your Father, he's there. Jesus is there. He caught all of your sins on the cross. He caught every single one. And so Jesus longs to be your shepherd. But as I close, I've got one more passage, one more verse. Our shepherd, Jesus, actually became a lamb. As it says in Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus, yes, he's a great shepherd. You can know about Jesus, and you can believe in Jesus. But believing in Jesus is allowing him to be your Shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Every head bowed, eyes closed, please. Just, just want to take this moment and ask the Lord just to move in this place. Father, we come before you. We ask you, Lord, uh, we ask you, Lord, that you just remove all the distractions. Lord, the most important thing we're going to do today is to talk to you. So Holy Spirit, as we talk to you, we ask you to move in this place, move in the hearts of people. So if you're sitting here today and you have not made Jesus your shepherd, if you have not said, Jesus, I can't do this on my own, I've got all this stuff. I've got this natural course of life happening. I need someone to catch me. Will you catch me today? If you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, ask him to forgive you of your sins, you could do that right here, right now. So if you're here today and you've never done that, I'm gonna lead you here to do it right now. You just simply say these words. You ready? You just simply say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for coming for me.
Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking away my sin. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life and be my shepherd. Thank you for saving me and help me to live for you. And if you're here today and if you have already accepted Christ as Savior, you just not need to say, God, Jesus, I'm sorry for not allowing you to lead me. I've I've gone different paths and you've led me other ways and I've seen you lead me other ways and I didn't follow you. Please forgive me of that. You might wanna just ask him just to forgive you. He already has. And then just say, I'm I'm gonna follow you no matter what because I know you're leading me. You're not driving me. You're leading me. You're calling me. Help me to hear your voice. Make your voice clear in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And just know this, as your pastor and as a church and leaders of this church and our staff, we desire that you, that you walk after Jesus and you, you're led by him. And if you are here today, you, you actually pray that prayer for the first time of asking Jesus to be Lord of your life, asking him to be your shepherd, we would love to know that. That gives us great joy because we have, we have ways that we can help you grow in, in your newfound faith.